encourage you to go to our website and um, not just listen to my message on holiness, but listen to all the messages. But if you want to catch up um, with, uh, with what we spoke on um, last Sunday, I encourage you to go there. You won't be let down. It will be encouraging to your faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. How many Gordon students do we have here today? Wow, you guys are amazing. Can I just say I love going and worshiping with you folks? It's just amazing the, uh, the, the, the presence of God in that place, you know. Um, thank you for letting me be a part, and thank you for being here uh, this evening with us. We'll be talking about holiness uh, this evening, a rather obscure and hard topic to talk about. You know, it's not necessarily uh, the easiest <laughs> It doesn't promise church growth, um, and we don't really hear it a lot, but nevertheless, we feel, as a community, the Lord has put it on our heart uh, to speak on this topic. I particularly feel that our generation, your generation, needs this message so much um, uh, as we see a a lot of uh, moral decay um, within young people. And I'm not necessarily trying to pick on young people today, but how many would agree that the message of holiness yeah. is important in our time and our generation. We need to mm-hmm. hear the truth on how God would call us to live. Amen? Mm-hmm. Rather than look at it, looking at it as legalism and a condemnation, it's actually freedom. It's, it's chicken soup for the soul. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Listen, what I'm saying is it's good. It's good. And things that we shun and maybe frown upon, maybe we'd rather stay away from and not hear about are things that we need to hear and embrace and to live out. So we're going to continue part two, the message of holiness. I want you to turn your Bible, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in the first verse. We're going to go to the 11th verse in 2 Peter. How many have brought your Bible today? All right, come on. First, I want to be very clear. It's easy to get confused as we track through the Bible and the message of holiness. It's easy to get confused and it's easy to feel condemned in a way when we hear the preacher stand behind the pulpit and preach what we probably deem as hellfire and brimstone, yeah? But I want to say that God is gracious. He is merciful and there is a process of which God's mercy lets us walk in and walk out to achieve everything that He's called us to to do. And and I want to say that uh, uh, in regards to this message on holiness. There is grace today. Listen, the, the, the foundation of living a holy life is not rules, it's not... It's not a set of uh, one, two, threes you must do and you must not do. It simply comes from the overflow of love for God. Amen. And without love being the bedrock of our holiness or being the bedrock of our consecration, it does become legalism. It does become things that are laborsome and quite cumbersome. But I want to say this and just open my opening remarks. That believe me, I am neither perfected in holiness, I am on the journey, and I thank God for His mercy and His allowing me to go along the process of sanctification, of going along the process of holiness. So, I in no way want to, for you to get confused, <laughs> per se, with my, uh, with my message today. I want you to see a man that is learning, 
that is going in the process. And I'm going to show this process in Scripture here in 2 Timothy. I'm going to show us both what God's calling us to, what He's demanding us to, but I'm also going to show, hopefully, by His grace, His mercy as He's calling us, His grace as He's calling us into it. So let's start right in verse 1. Uh, let me say this too. If I get loud, listen, I am not mad. I'm very, we're very passionate from our worship, from uh, our preaching sometimes. We just feel it a little bit more, and we just got to escalate our voice. So I, wanna, I just want to disarm. I'm, I'm not in any way mad. I'm a happily married man. i got a cute little son. Life is good. So please, it's just passion. Don't get it confused with anger. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Starting in the verse, verse 1 of Second Peter, chapter 1. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing, you, I am writing to you, who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to us because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in the knowledge of God, Jesus our Lord. I want to highlight, or I want you to make a mental note, or if you have a highlighter or a pen, to, to underline the word grow, as or as you grow, yeah, in the knowledge of God. Just kind of referencing what I was talking about as we go on, because ultimately what we were going to find out later in this verse and in this chapter, we are going to find out that God is allowing us to grow, and it just happens to be in this chapter, He's allowing us to grow in the knowledge of God and His desire for us to be holy. Do you understand that? Again, just highlighting his patience, that he is not just trying to uh, uh, set out these rules and, and, and regulations of which, has to, uh, which we should follow by, but ultimately saying, no, uh, I have set these things out, I do have this plan for you, but you're to grow in it. You're to grow in it. And my mercy and kindness is there for you every, long, uh, every step of the way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank God that He is merciful. Thank God that He allows us to grow in processes, especially in the process of sanctification, especially in the process of holiness. It's a good thing. Tell your neighbor, it's a good thing. <laughs> Just trying to get your eyes off me, that's all. Verse 3. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Oh, I love this. Peter doesn't just say, he gives us some things. Or things here and there. Peter says he gives us everything. To do what? To live godly lives. Other translations would say to live holy lives. Or to live holy unto the Lord. So we see that God, not only in His essence, demands holiness from the believer. But He gives us everything to achieve that, which most of us, I would guarantee, regardless of where we are in the process, long for anyway, anyway in our lives. And what I mean by that, listen, just because I may not be uh, lined up in its totality with the message of holiness, doesn't, believe that my, doesn't mean that my heart's not on a pilgrimage to get there. See, the danger is, is when we forsake the pursuit. The danger is, is when we stop 
having the desire or the appetite to be as God is. What is God? The scripture says God is holy. And Peter, Paul, encourages us to be as God is. So in that knowledge, why is there in our culture, in our churches, in even our own hearts, such a kind of distaste when it comes to messages of righteousness and holiness? When it's the very thing that God is calling us to be and to do and to live. I just want to read this one more time, starting the third verse. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living godly lives. We have received all of this by coming to know Him. Now, I want to say this, that it's not, He's not talking about once you receive Christ in your life knowing Him. That we, we didn't receive this when we received God as our Lord and Savior. He's pretty much highlighting again that, that process of working our faith out. That process of, of knowledge, of, of growing in maturity, of growing uh, 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 you know, in our walk with the Lord. So he's highlighting again that, that you, you get everything you need and you receive everything you need in the process of, of knowing Him. Let me read the message real quick. Some of you may not have it. Some of you may think the message is heresy, but I love it. It, uh, puts, a, it puts a different spin. I want to start right in the, uh, the third verse again, just to kind of highlight again what Peter's talking about. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who has invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received we were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you your tickets to, uh, to uh, participation in the life of God after you turn back on a world corrupt by lust. Now I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but again we see that the knowledge of holiness comes from a personal and intimate walk with Jesus. You know, I often think this, you know, I'm not necessarily held accountable, accountable for things that I'm ignorant on. But I am held accountable in the sight of God and man for things that I am, I am uh, a knowledgeable, knowledgeable about. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's in God's grace that He would reveal Himself as we pursue Him personally and intimately, that He would reveal His heart in the matter of holiness, and what it means for us as believers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are we getting this? Okay. I'm going to go back to the New Living Translation. Building a platform here. Let's go to the fourth verse. In 2 Peter. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. There are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. What a mouthful. I mean, did you just read the same thing that I read? You may not have this translation, but let's just go there again. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. What are His promises? Glad you asked. These are the promises that enable, enable, they aid us to share His divine nature. What is His divine nature? Who He is. 
what He is, what He's going to be. His power, His glory, His holiness, His, His righteousness. This precious promise has enabled us actually to share Christ's divine nature. To what? Escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. That is, that is such a profound statement from Peter. I love it. Something erupts in my heart over those words that I can partake, I can share with Christ's divine nature, who He is, what He wants to do, what He's going to do, yeah. His glory, His power, His holiness, His righteousness, oh, His suffering. I can share. It is enabled. The promise has enabled me to share in the divine nature and escape from the world's corruption. I don't know about you, but I listen, we're on the journey to sanctification. But anyone today who's on the journey of sanctification, place your hope in this. Place your hope in verse 4 that you have something about somebody by the revelation of his divine nature who's enabling you to escape worldly corruption. That is awesome. And on this journey of sanctification, we should hold on to those truths. We should hold on to these promises that God has not left us unto ourselves. He has not left us unto our unrighteousness. He has not left us for being a welcome mat for our flesh in the devil. But there is actually a victorious life of which we can live not in glory when Christ comes. But now. Amen. I'm just passionate. Okay, verse 5. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. We can just jump right back up to 4. What are God's promises? Well, you see it right there. To escape from the world's corruption, to share in His divine nature. Peter sums up 4 and he says, In view of all of this, after all of this has been said, make every effort to respond to God's promise. Mm -hmm. Supplement your faith with a, uh, a, a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brother affection, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Are you getting this? In view of all this, make every effort. Last Sunday we talked about there's actually stuff as believers we need to do. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we're going to go further into that. Many scriptures call the Christians, call us believers to action. It's not something that just happens. It's actually something that we partner with in a matter of the heart of God for our lives. And we can totally, through scripture, and hopefully there will be enough time to do it, dispel the myth that God's ultimately, His calling and His will for our life is to be holy as He is holy. Amen. His call and His will, His desire for our life is to be victorious. Ultimately, guys, it comes down to this. All this holiness talk is for our own benefit. This, this lifestyle of choosing, of, of putting forth every effort, of working out our faith, of actually working out 
A lifestyle, a livelihood of holiness is for our own good. I'm just speaking to the wrong people today. I just want to read that again. Let's go back to the first verse. I want to get it in our spirits. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great, a great and precious promise. These are the promises that enable, that aid you to share in His divine nature and escape world, worldly corruption caused by human desire. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promise. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. I love this word supplement. It means, you know, if I'm going to take vitamin C pills, I'm, I'm, or, 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 or muscle building pills, or in my case, weight loss pills. You know, I'm supplementing uh, uh, um, my desire to lose weight with a pill. I'm taking action. And with our faith, Peter's saying, listen, supplement your faith in Christ with moral excellence. Some translations say holiness. With the knowledge, again, here we find that word, that, that these revelations only come by extensively seeking God for knowledge yeah. over these issues. Yeah. Come on, I can't have a revelation of how the Lord wants to purify or sanctify my life if I'm not seeking Him. When I come into contact with Him, I see a very holy man of which I want to be what, as the Scripture says? An imitator of. Have you ever thought of that scripture? Paul, be imitators of God. Not in this life, most of us would say. But why? But why? Because we're not willing to roll up our sleeves and do the work. Do the work it takes to resist the devil that he might flee. To resist mm, the, the desires of our flesh. We all have them. Me including. Again, I am not talking as somebody who is perfected in this I am talking as somebody who is on the journey. But I am not going to allow me not being perfected in holiness or love or anything else to keep me from going after it. Amen. See, a lot of us will just say, well, it's not for me. I can't do this. You're right. You can't do it within your own strength. You're right. And you can't do it if you've boiled it down to a system of laws and regulations of things you shouldn't and you should uh, do. True. But man, if love is the base, if love is the bedrock of that desire, I say, young man, young woman, go after it. Don't let your friends discourage you from it. Amen. What? Amen. Just in regards to Make every effort. This uh, thing of work I want to draw us to a couple of scriptures. Let's turn to Hebrews 12, 14. I'm just going to touch on this. We probably even touched upon it, but I'm just, I'm trying to get us to see that we actually need to do something here. That it's not just a uh, thing that happens. It just, it just automatically you are... Are, are able to do things of which you don't, you know you shouldn't do, or you know the Word of God is against, but we actually have to do something to 
bring about that break, breakthrough. Hebrews 12, 14. Work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy, we're not ready for this. We'll not see the Lord. Second Corinthians 7, 1 Corinthians 7.1 Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile, defile our body, our spirit. And let us work toward complete... What? What? Complete... Some translations say perfect holiness. Because what? We fear the Lord. Oh, we're not ready for these types of scriptures. These types of scriptures, for the most part, in my opinion, are ignored by the body of Christ. But what do we do with these things? We live them out. We actually roll up our sleeves and we work things out. We put forth the effort not to be slaves to sin, but slaves to God, slaves to righteousness, slaves to holiness. Oh, brother, you're just peeping up condemnation on me. This is just, this is not the Lord, really. I'm telling you people, we need a correct uh, uh, paradigm of just what is conviction and what is condemnation. I say that often. Our generation, it's not that these words are bad or not God. These words just need to be redefined within our minds. There needs to be a true light, not set on rules and regulation, but something that actually we do. Why? Because we love God and we want to be like Him. Yes. I'm not talking about in His power like we're going to be God's. No. But I am talking about His divine nature, His yeah. characteristics. The very foundations of His throne are what people? Righteousness and justice. These qualities about God we see all through the Scripture. It would be beneficial for us to give our full attention to it. Stop with the excuses and actually roll up our hands. Shut the computer when, it's, when there's images on it that you know you shouldn't be watching. And the useless speech between friends, uh, 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 talking about one another, cursing, you know, I, I, again, oh, don't heap those, those, regu- those rules on me, man. For there is freedom for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but don't trample the work of the cross Amen. underfoot and constantly remind Amen. Christ of what He did on the cross for our sins, Hebrews. Mm-hmm. That's all we want to do. That's the only message we want to hear. Just how the cross has made, us a, made a way for us to just continue and sin and excuse it, just be, I will repent, I will put the band-aid of God's grace on it. No, friend, that is not what the work of cross, the work of the cross has done yeah. at all. Yeah, and if you believe that today, we don't have time to dispel that, but if you believe that today, I want to encourage you to read Romans 1 through 6. Paul brilliantly executes such clarity over the truth of what Christ did and what it means for us as believers. That it's not an excuse just to continue in sin. Matter of fact, it should liberate us to want to live victorious. Why? Because why would a man die for us? Oh, we've boiled the message of the cross to just some kind of Easter message. Some kind of Sunday morning. No, come on guys. He bore the scar. He bore the reproach of the cross. 
so that we could be victorious, not so we could use it as band-aids and, and permission to live loose lives. This may be a little too much for you, I'm sorry. No, it's good. But I'm bound to truth and the Word of God. Let's look into the Greek meaning of the word work. You know, in a, in a time in our nation where we are just an entitlement you know, people, we hear this kind of talk through our government and whatnot, we, we just have forgotten what it's like, I believe, even myself, what it's like to just, man, again, roll up my sleeve, put my hands to the plow, and just work it out, work it out. And in and, and, and scriptures like this, I hope, uh, um, brings about a love to want to work. Let's look into this work, uh, this word work in the Greek. I'm just going to give you a couple uh, uh, definitions. To make, to run or flee. Put to flight, drive away. To run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing or run after. To press on, figuratively, of one who is in a race, swiftly to reach the goal. To pursue in a hostile manner. Come on. That's good. I like hostile. Especially when it... I like that word, hostile manner, because it, it actually speaks that you're to be violent about it. Why aren't Christians violent anymore? Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be, Lord. Just, you know, just get through life. Just get through the day. No, no, guys. We're to be violent in our spirit against the kingdom of darkness. I'm not talking about some kind of hokey pokey, you know, devil get away from me in Jesus' mighty name. No, I'm talking, no, I am a son. I am a daughter of God. You no longer have your vices on me or in me. For God is calling me out of the world. This is simply one, two, threes of our faith. Yeah, but why aren't we living it? Why aren't we living it? The simplicity of the gospel. I'm sorry if you've come to hear a man today that can use big words and, and try to uh, move your heart by uh, persuasive words. I'm not him. I look at the Bible, very simple. Very simple. I take it as black and white. Now, it's not that I'm against study or, or theological study or even a con, uh, contextual looking at scriptures in context, but sometimes those things have so watered down just the simplicity of what the Word has called us to do Amen. that it has no root within us. I'm just passionate. I'm not mad. In any way, whatever. Harass, trouble. A, I'm getting back to the definition. To persecute, to be mistreated, suffer persecution on account of something. Without the idea of hostility, to run after, follow after someone. To pursue, to seek after eagerly, earnestly. Endeavor to acquire. Some good meanings there. Just go on further with our second Peter here. <clears throat> and we see that in verse five, Peter says, "Hey man, add these things to your faith. Supplement your faith with these things. Moral excellence. Give yourself some of that knowledge, self-control, patience, endurance." Goodness, brotherly affection. Pretty much, he's saying, "Listen, this is how you get there, man. This is how you get 
perfected in this thing. Put these things in, uh, uh, not to just uh, the fruit of the Spirit context, but actually live these things out. Get these things in your speech. Get them in your responses towards sin. These will help you grow uh, and help you actually, they'll aid you in living a life of holiness. Go in verse 7. I'm sorry, in 8. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove. We see that word work again. We actually have to do something. Heaven forbid. Work hard to prove that you really are amongst those God has called and chosen. Do things, do these things, and you will never fall away. Now I want to read uh, the NAT, the New English Translation, on that last verse, just because I think, um, actually it's, a, it's also, I believe, the um, New King James Version 2, but I want to read verse 10 one more time. It's going to actually, hopefully, shock you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to be sure of your calling and election. For by doing this, you will never stumble into what? Sin. Why do we make up so much excuses for just living lives of sin? We, we, we merely have made and boiled down sin to our weakness, our, our maturity. Friend, today the Bible is very clear about sin. Sin is sin. Yes, we're growing in it, but it's again not a license to be uh, to make an excuse to live in it, to practice it, to mm-hmm. never allow the victory of what Jesus did on the cross to change you as a person. That's the point of of of, of a life uh, um, uh, uh, captured. That's a that, that's, that's that's the point of a life that has been transformed. Is that actually? Uh, it's not just something we're claiming with our lips, but it's actually something we're living on the inside. I don't know about you, but if I never let any of the gospel or even this message affect me as who, is, who I am as a believer, I wouldn't want to follow Christ. Why would I follow Christ just to continue in sin? Why would I follow in Christ to live a, a, a double life? If there was no victor, victory and actually... Uh, 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 inviting Christ into my heart, inviting His divine nature into my life, if I didn't let it affect my decisions, my choices, my will, why would I do that? There would be no benefits in that at all. Would there? But Christ is not like that, nor does He call, that, call us to that. Luckily, in Christ, we can find a way by practicing and putting into play some of these things that Peter is talking about. Living a life of freedom and not stumbling into sin. How many are honest? Not raise your hand. But how many are honest? And really get honest with yourself. How many feel like you are just stumbling 
stumbling. Instead of going forward, you're constantly going back. Or you try to go forward. And, and, and this snare that so easily besets you and tries to trip you up, sets your steps back. How many feel like you are just on a constant... It's like you're the children of Israel walking around the mountain. To, again and again, the same issue, the same, the same uh, pattern of sin in your life. How many feel like you are, are just a victim to uh, strongholds? I'm telling you, I would, or I would encourage you to see it in the manner that your life is not destined for there as a Christian believer, but your life is destined for freedom. Your life is destined to, to be holy. You must get the true salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ on the inside of you. There's a, pro, there's a process of when He calls you, and there's that promise of sanctification. And if you choose it, there's the process of consecration. Let's turn to 1 Peter 1, 13-16. I'm sorry if this is hard for you today. But I encourage you to ask God to open your heart and your spirit. The Lord has a gracious way of sorting these things out, yeah? Okay. So, think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious, gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So, you must. Somebody say, so you must. must. Not much many options in there, is there? Not many loopholes. How can I get around? You know, how can I not do this? No, Peter says, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know better then. Again, Peter's referencing knowledge. You didn't know any better then. Don't don't go back. Go forward. You didn't know better then. But just as God who chose you is holy. I'm sorry, hold on. You didn't know any better then. But now... You must be holy in everything you do. Again, not many options in there. Guys, this is simply scripture. I am not coming with my own ideas of what I feel God wants to call people to. I'm simply just preaching the scripture. This is New Testament stuff. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Peter doesn't say you must be holy in some things you do. He must he doesn't say, well, there's exceptions here, and you can find, you know, uh, uh, you can find a different way here if you just kind of, you know. No, he says in everything you do. Sounds like the same kind of talking in Second Peter, uh, uh, the first Second Peter, Second uh, Peter uh, one. Sorry, uh, sounds like the same kind of articulation in in Second Peter. But now you must live holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy. You must be holy because I am holy. What do we do with a scripture like that? When it comes to uh, seeing our life when nobody else sees it. Oh, I don't mean to touch upon things that are hard, guys. I simply have been there and done that, bought the t-shirt. But what do we do with scriptures like that when 
There isn't kind of any loopholes, but there's a demand from scriptures that says, you must, this is not optional, but actually this is what you must do. This is what you must practice. Friend, I want to encourage you today. Do the work. Do the work that is needed to, to live lives that are holy. That, do the work that is needed to live lives that are separated from this world. Why go back? Why constantly go back to uh, uh, defeat, to, to uh, your, your own patterns and your own ways? Guys, it's a, that's a cheapened gospel. That's just, that's just not the victorious life of which Christ calls us into. Many would say that the victorious life is to become richer, is to become more famous, to get a better smile, to get a better teeth haircut, lose a little weight. But no, I'm saying the better life is to live, live victorious in Christ because of the work Amen. of the cross. And there is a partnership there is something where we need to say, yes, Lord, stop kicking. The moment of temptation, the moment of you feeling your heart fainting or getting weak and you feel like you're going to just get into things that you shouldn't, man, I'm telling you, fight the good fight of faith. Pray in your heart. Pray that, that, this, that the thing that's trying to trip you up will leave. Get thee behind me, Satan. Guys, we really do have an enemy that seeks to kill and destroy us. Yes. It's about time that we realize that. It's not sci-fi, it's not Star Wars, it's real life. If you believe the Word of God, we have an enemy and he seeks to destroy you and me. And he is relentless. But you know, if you're disconnected from that fact, the enemy has already won. If you have no connection that, that, that there is a power, that there is an enemy that seeks to kill you, then he's already won. He's already defeated, in a sense, you. But I want to encourage you to fight the good fight of faith. To lay hold of these principles and realize that it's not an option. Holiness is not an option for the believer. We don't find that in the Word of God. It's not just a good idea. The Word of God demands it. Because why? It's simple as this. We are to be the image of Him. And that's just not in our facial expressions. That's just not in our hands. Although it is. But it's in our innermost man. Let us be a reflection. Let us be the image of God. Both in character, in word, in deed, in likeness. Again, we I referenced earlier that the will and the call of God for your life is to be holy. You can look at first. Thessalonians 4.3 and 1 Thessalonians 4.7 and you'll find that is exactly the will and the calling of God for your life. So if you have any confusion over, Lord, what am I going to be? What is your will for my life? If there's any kind of confusion, you can simply say, God, your call for my life, your will for my life is to be holy. Amen. You know, I stopped looking Amen. at, you know, Lord, what, 
What do you have for me? What, 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 what's next? What's the next thing that I should be doing? What is your will for my life? All those things are good. But when you boil it down, at the end of the Amen. day, His will and His call is that you would be like Him in His holiness. Well, if you could play. Let's just close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say that this is a very hard message to preach. But it needs to be preached. Amen. You may disagree with that. But I think it's actually what the Lord's trying to do in our generation, even in our own hearts. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that we merely presented scripture here tonight. Lord, now we ask for the working out. Lord, we ask for the Spirit of God to come and illuminate truth. God, everywhere where we stand, even offended, God, here tonight at this message, God, or even, Lord, confused or feeling condemned, God, I thank you that your kindness, Lord, that your mercy will, will connect the dots. Lord, if we merely open ourselves to you, Lord, you will bring clarity over the matter and over the issue. Father, we ask that tonight, God, you would come and minister. Lord, as we close, Holy Spirit, would you come into this place? Would you come into the midst of that uh, confusion? Would you come into the midst of that, even that offense, Spirit of God? Would you work these things out? Would you, would you show us your heart for us? Would you show us that you desire us to be holy like you are? Oh God, I ask, Lord, that you would raise up young men and women that would give themselves unto holiness, that would give themselves unto righteousness. For that, Father, that you would raise up a people, God, that would come out surely in every way and every manner, come out from the world and into the kingdom, into the light, out of the darkness and into the light, no longer playing games, but God desiring desiring holiness within. Spirit of God, we ask, Lord, that if anybody stands here, God, heaped up, God, with even their own sin, God, even their own faults and blemishes, God, I ask, Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit would deliver us even now from condemnation. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would deliver us from oppression, would deliver us from demonic principalities. Lord, that your spirit would deliver us from years of operating, God, 